welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, I just believe today that God wants to revive again something new in us and something old in us. We've been in this season this is actually week 12 now of church online. Can you, can you believe it? We've been three months without physically meeting. I can't, I, I'm just, I'm floored. Time has not only flown by so quick, just the, the, the idea that we've not had physical connection as a church body for 12 weeks is wild. We are in week 12. 12 is a special number. 12 is the year uh, this is the year 12 for Kingdom Culture as a legal entity. This has been, you know, it's been an amazing 12 years. We celebrated it actually on April 1st. And now this is the 12th week online. We're coming at you. It's, Pente- it's Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after um, Passover, which was Easter. Uh, Easter, 50 days after uh, Easter is when the Holy Spirit was poured out and made available to all humanity. And that's what we're talking about today. And like I said, we're going to continue to develop that in the uh, the following week. And so you're going to want to be and check that out next week. It says in Hebrews, people pray for the fire of God. They pray that they would be on fire. And it's this term that's used a lot in church circles, especially more charismatic circles. We need God's fire. What is God's fire? Like, what is it? Well, what does fire do? Fire purifies, fire takes makes gold uh, that much more um, valuable because it burns away all the all the stuff that should not be there to make it pure, uh, to make it look like it's supposed to really look. And you know, fire it, it destroys, but it also it also allows things to start new and fresh. Fire does a lot of good as much as it does damage, but. God, as a consuming fire, wants to set our lives on fire. He wants the fire of God to be so in our lives that everything in our lives would be consumed by Him. He says in Hebrews 12, He's a consuming fire. When we get around people, we want people to feel the heat on our lives, that people would feel something special on our lives when they get around us. We want to pray and believe that God puts his fire on our lives. Years ago, I remember I, I was in a car wash and uh, I was falling asleep because I uh, was waiting in line for a very long time. And I remember I had my head on the window, had my head on the window and I kind of just, the car ahead of me moved. And so I kind of like, kind of woke up of my, out of my, you know, I was about to fall asleep and I kind of woke, I kind of got my attention and I looked outside the window and I saw this pillar. I had an open vision of this pillar. Like it was like a pillar 
of fire. Fire it was an open vision, like in the natural, as I'm seeing, as you're seeing me, I had this open vision, and I see this pillar of fire outside of my car. And I knew it was a supernatural encounter. And I heard God's voice say to me that the fire of my holiness and presence is coming on your life in this season. And, and I knew what that meant in that season was that there, there would be things that I would go through for the purpose of transformation that I would allow me to get a hold of and connect to who he was and who he is as a consuming fire like I've never had before. I remember that season, it was crazy. And God did such supernatural things in my life and changed so many areas of my life and set my life literally on, on, on fire. I felt a new fire, a new fire for his word, a new fire to have relationship with him, a new fire in my prayer life, a new fire. I would see God do even more and crazier things on the street as a result of this encounter. And this is what God wants to do today in us. He wants to revive in us a passion, a fire, you know, and I, I almost want to say power. I mean, I'm talking about the same thing. His fire is his power. His power is his fire. And we're talking about this today, about God reviving in us his fire and his power. I want to read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus gave a promise before he ascended to heaven. Jesus, remember this, Jesus walked 40 days on the earth as a resurrected man. After he was resurrected, he walked for 40 days, did some crazy miracles, walked through walls supernaturally that, you know, where there's there were, there were locked doors, you know, supernaturally showed up random places, you know, made food appear. He ate food, you know, he walked around with holes in his wrists showing Thomas that, you know, like, because Thomas was doubting and wasn't sure if he was seeing the resurrected Jesus and Jesus had touched the holes and, Thomas believed, and I mean, Jesus did some crazy things while he was on the earth as a resurrected man for 40 days. But before he left, he gave these instructions to the disciples that they were to wait and tarry, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. And that when the Holy Spirit would come, they would receive power to be his witnesses. You got to remember, Jesus discipled these guys for over three years, prepared them. Then he dies. They kind of got freaked out. They kind of lost momentum. They lost faith for a moment, went back to their old lifestyles. Peter was jarred. Peter had just denied him, denied him. I mean, he was like Jesus' right hand. Judas ended up hanging himself. I mean, the whole thing split up for a moment. Jesus comes back as a resurrected man and re-rallies all the disciples together again, brings them back into unity, hangs out with them, walks with them, teaches them. And there's things that he did that we don't even know. We don't even know about. I mean, even in the end of John, if, it, if you read the book of John, the very end of John, it actually talks about if everything that was done was recorded, there would not be enough books in the world to handle the information. There were things that happened in those 40 days that we have no clue about, but, but that God did in part of the preparation. But when he ascended, right before he ascended, he said, listen, you guys got to wait. 
I'm, I'm going to be, he actually is me. He's a part of me. His name is the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. But ultimately, when, when you wait, he's going to come. He's going to give you power. He's going to back in power. And that word for power is the dunamis. Explosive power, not to speak in tongues, not to prophesy, not to heal the sick, although all those things may happen. The ultimate goal of that power, of the baptism of his power, is that they would be a witness. Now you're thinking to yourself, maybe, weren't they already a witness? I mean, they were already going out. They were already sent out two by two. You know, they had preached around all the regions. Before Jesus died, Jesus would send these guys out. These disciples, many disciples, they'd go out, they'd preach the gospel, they'd heal the sick, they would do like miraculous signs and wonders, cast out demons. But there was a different kind of baptism of power that God wanted to give them and that would now be made available to all humanity, to all flesh. That word for witness, I'm going to read it to you in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says this, but you shall receive power. And in the Amplified, it actually extends the word power. It amplifies it out of the Aramaic ability, efficiency, and might. You shall receive dunamis power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. So anyways, in other words, start here. Start where you're at. If you can't even witness to your neighbor, then you don't get it. If you feel called to the mission field, but you can't even talk about Jesus to the one beside you, there's a big problem. There's a big chasm. Jesus said, start where you're at. You shall receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where you are. From the epicenter of where you are from there, you're going to go out into the ends, to all the ends of the earth, and to be my witness. That word for witness means is the word where is the word where we get the word martyr from? Okay, so to be a witness literally is to literally be willing to lay down your life for the cause. To be to lay down your life for the person of that cause, Jesus. And as you know, the the majority of all the disciples, except for John, died as a martyr. Died as a martyr. They the only way that you could lay down your life for a cause like this is if you have power is if you've been baptized with a supernatural grace that enables you to be all in. We have a lot of people, fence-sitting believers, that want to sit on the fence and kind of have one foot in over here, you know, with just the world and, and just enjoying the world and one foot over here with God, trying to join, uh, uh, join uh, enjoy God, but you cannot live in the middle. God wants you to be on one side or the other. You know, even the book of Revelation says, you know, because you're lukewarm, you're being spit out. It's a very aggressive terminology. You're being spit out of the mouth because you're lukewarm. God would rather you be either on one side or the other. But to be in the middle is a dangerous place to be. It's a divided place to be. I've said this in previous uh, messages years ago that the devil owns the fence. The middle, the devil owns that ground. You want to be a little bit over here, a little bit over here. We are called as believers in Jesus to be in the world, but not of it. Two different things. To be in it, being the witness of who Jesus is and all of his power and glory, but not be of it. We're called to look different, smell different, you know, 
Fire has a smell. Fire has a look. It's bright. It's hard to stare at for too long. It's, it's, it, it, it makes you feel like something. It's heat. It has elements to it. We need to get close to the fire enough so that the world, when they look at us, they feel something's different about you. We're called to be in the world, but not of it, not transformed or conformed to the patterns of this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul said it. Don't be transformed or conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is what he says. He says, this actually is your spiritual act of worship, to offer your body. It's the Bible says in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, to offer your body as a spirit or as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Well, it's funny because all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, God would come down and consume the sacrifice. His, even in the in the showdown with the false prophets, and you can read it in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, where Elijah calls down the fire of God on the prophets of Baal. He prepares a sacrifice and prepares an altar and says, basically says this to the false prophets and says, guys, listen, let's whoever who, who, who's ever God is the real true God, let him come down and consume this sacrifice with fire. And so he says, you guys build your thing. You guys do your thing. We'll build a sacrifice. You call on your God. I'll call on my God. And let's see whose God answers by fire. The false prophets dance around. They try to, you know, they try to coax their, their false gods to come down and consume the sacrifice. Elijah begins to make fun of them, saying, is your God sleeping? Maybe his alarm didn't go off. Literally using language like this. And uh, nothing happens. They're, they're slicing themselves, you know, offering their own bodies and, and mutilate, self-mutilating their bodies. Nothing's happening. Elijah asks God to show up as a consuming fire. And a, the, 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 God comes down and consumes the fire and demonstrates to the false prophets that Elijah's God is the one true God. You guys, listen. We are in. We live. We are, we are living in a season of showdowns like this, where the world is waiting for you to demonstrate to them that God is for real, that God is legit. You have, and the only way to do that is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because you've been baptized by His power. I remember a time years ago where I was in um, Minnesota, living in Minnesota, and uh, I was leading a I was a part of leading an outreach, just loving on people on the street. It was during a big, uh, there was some sort of festival going on on the street. And there was this guy on the street uh, that I eventually found out after the fact that was a Wiccan. And, you know, he has, he was wearing this, like, you know, big, long black trench coat, had this like crystal ball cane, big, tall, probably six foot five, six foot four, very tall individual. And I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to go and talk to him. And so I went up to him, and, and he had this discernment about me. He knew what I was coming up to talk to him about. He knew that I had sort of a, a, a heart to see him encounter Jesus by discernment. And uh, he began to shut me down, and he began to talk to me about how God isn't real. And, and I, he, he began to say to me, you know, prove to me that your God is real. At that point, I didn't have any special word of knowledge. I didn't have any special, you know, prayer for him or anything. I just begin to share with him testimonies of things that I've seen where God has shown up in power. And, um, you know, as we begin, we begin to talk, he, 
looked at me and said, um, that's not God. I could do that. And he began to mock me. That's not God. I could do that. I could do that. It's easy for me. I could, I could heal the sick and I could do this and I could do that. And he was mocking me. And uh, I, I, you know, somewhere in that conversation, something hit me and it was like the blinders came off my eyes and I like opened my eyes and I looked at him and I felt this, this Holy Spirit boldness come on me. And I said, okay, fine. I said, let's go find the sickest person on the street. I don't care if they have no legs and if they're in a wheelchair, you pray for them first and I'll pray for them second. And we'll see whose God answers. If you say you are like God and you can do all these things, you pray for them first and I'll pray for them second. And let's see who's for real. And in that moment, it was like, I felt this boldness on me. I didn't even know what I said. But in that moment, it was like everything in him crumbled. It shut down. He was like, oh, uh, well, you know, I got to, I got to meditate. I need time. I need time. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, bro, you just made a big deal saying that you could do all this stuff and you could lay hands on people, channel energy and do all these things and heal the sick and do all this. You just made this, all these claims. So I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. It was like a showdown. I don't recommend you guys do this purposely and don't go out trying to find showdowns in life. But there's moments in my life where this has happened. It's happened several times. And I felt like it was an Elijah showdown. Let's, let's just see whose God is for real. And um, obviously in that moment, like he shut down and said, you know what? I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, I need time. And I'm like, here, this, this is the thing, bro. I'm like, I don't think you really believe. And we had an interesting conversation uh, it ended better than it started. Let's just say the conversation ended better than it started. Started. We didn't end up going and doing that. We ended up having a conversation, but it was like an Elijah showdown moment. We need the power of God in our lives. We need his dunamis power. Years ago, I had this, um, and this is different today. This, let me just say this at the forefront. I am not teaching today. I am not even preaching a typical message today. I'm going to share some stories. I'm going to read some scripture and then we're going to pray. And then we're just going to believe for God to do something amazing in and through your life in this season, but also today specifically. So it's going to be a little bit of a different type of message. But I remember it was years ago. I believe it was 2000 and I want to say five, but I'm, it's possible that I was 2006. I don't remember the exact timeline. I had to go back, look at my, my journal, but um, I actually, and it's actually online. You can actually see it. If you search Sean Gaby fireballs, you'll probably find it online in a very old video. But, uh, years ago I had this vision of a fireball falling from the sky, like a giant, looked like a giant, um, uh, almost like asteroid meteor, but it was on fire and it hit the earth and it was a powerful vision. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said in this season, there are fireballs falling from the sky. And I didn't really know what it meant to be honest at the time, but my mind and my heart went to, for some reason, 1 Kings chapter 18 with the showdown and 19 with the showdown with Elijah and, and Jezebel about how God as a consuming fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. And 
I was thinking about how God is a consuming fire and God wants to set our lives on fire. And the new covenant version of that is Romans 12. I said it earlier that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices in the same way that God would consume sacrifices in the old covenant. God would consume us as the new covenant sacrifices. Our bodies, our lives were to be offered up as living sacrifices. God wanted to set us on fire with his power. And I had this word. And a few days later, I woke up I went downstairs into my kitchen and the headlines of my city newspaper, it was the Ottawa Citizen, the headlines in the newspaper said, fireballs falling from the sky. And I knew it was a sign that it was a sign that, that God was confirming in the natural about what he was saying to me in the spiritual. Often that will happen. God will give us something in the spiritual, in the supernatural, and then confirm it in the natural just to show you that you're hearing right. And I remember reading the article and I was blown away, got my attention. I'm like, God, what are you saying? What are you saying through this? And it said to me, it said in the, not to me, it said in the article, the next visible sighting will be Wednesday. And I think maybe that was like Monday or something or Tuesday. I don't remember that week. It said the next visible sighting is going to be a visible sighting of these fireballs falling from the sky in Ottawa on Wednesday night. I think it was around 8 p.m. And that same time, within like, I don't know if it was 24 hours, I got this invitation to speak at a church in Ottawa on Wednesday night around that exact time. And so I knew that God was giving me a word to share about what he was doing in this season, about God setting people's life up on fire, that he would make his people like fireballs falling from the sky. And they say that meteors often... They pick up so much speed. You could read this and study this. Of course, it's a fact. They pick up so much speed that by the time they hit the earth or enter the earth's atmosphere, they're totally, these rocks, these meteor rocks are totally consumed by the fire. And God began to speak to me that we would be like these meteors. We'd be like these fireballs. And God wanted us to be so set on fire by him that by the time we hit the earth to make impact, we would make maximum impact because we were consumed by the fire. And this is what God was showing me about what he was doing in the body of Christ as a whole. And so here I am Wednesday night sharing this message out of 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 about how God came down to consume the sacrifice. And I'm sharing this message about how we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices consumed by his fire. Here I am and on literally as I'm sharing it, literally as I'm sharing the word about fireballs falling from the sky, Literal fireball sightings are happening in my city, coming down from the sky. And I believe that, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because this is what I believe God is renewing and reviving in us. I rem I, if you can think back to maybe when you first started your journey, maybe life has dulled you out, maybe responsibility has dulled your fire or squelched your fire. Maybe at one point when you first met Jesus, you were like so on fire, like passionate about his presence, passionate about prayer, passionate about pursuing him. And then just maybe you got married, you had kids and life came in and you just kind of feel like you got a little bit dull. God wants to restore that fire, revive that fire again in you today on Pentecost Sunday. He wants to baptize you. Maybe you've never been baptized in the power of God, fully submerged, just like in baptism, water baptism, you are fully submerged in the water and when you go down it represents your old life going down and then now your new life 
come, as you come up, it's like Jesus coming up out of the grave. As you come up out of the water, it represents, you know, resurrection life in you as a believer. The same way that that happened, well, God wants to baptize you in his power, in his fire. He wants to give you the tools, the power tools that you do not have to do life differently in this next season. You know, I kind of liken the baptism of God's power and fire in our lives, kind of like going from using a screwdriver to using a drill. You can use a screwdriver, it just will take you longer. That's kind of like life with just, you know, the Holy Spirit's in you, you're in Christ, Christ is in you. But when you have this baptismal experience in the power of God, it's like God hands you the drill. And now he says, listen, you're going to have power to do what I've called you to do. You've been doing it all in your own effort. But now I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you what you've always needed. And we're always destined to have to do what I've called you to do. And that's the baptism of his power in your life. I want to read this out of Acts chapter two. I'm going to read a bunch of verses to you. And then we're going to just like hang out here for a little bit. Okay. So I hope you're doing well, please, by the way, in the chat. Um, uh, just I would encourage you, you know, if you have prayer requests, things that you're believing for in this season, you know, share that in the conversation as well. Please like us, do us a favor, like this a video, share it on Facebook, share it uh, right away. Just keep sharing, get the word out. It helps boost the influence of what we're doing to get this out to more people. So be a part of the journey with us. Acts chapter two, verse one it says on the day of Pentecost, okay. 50 days, okay? It's also called the, the Feast of Harvest, okay? On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after um, Jesus died and resurrected, okay, 50 days after the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. They were together in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. So imagine, you're in this place, 120 people, you're praying. It's been 10 days, you're praying, you're believing. You're believing for what God promised you. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power. Before that, he says, wait, wait in Jerusalem, wait, tarry, wait and pray until the Holy Spirit shows up. 10 days, they're praying, they're believing, they're in one place. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a blast of wind shows up, rushes into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. People couldn't handle it. It was so overwhelming. Verse 3, then at all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. And then that pillar separated into tongues of fire. It looked like little tongues, little, little fire tongues on each person's head. It engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit. They had never, and, uh, sorry, let me go back here. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now, let me just stop there for a second. Okay, there's different kinds of tongues. You may have heard teaching on this before. There are actually three different known types of tongues in scripture. There's the personal use of tongues in your own language 
where you're uttering mysteries. You can read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, that your mind does not know what your spirit is praying. Your mind is unfruitful, the New King James puts it, but your spirit prays and utters mysteries to God that it is just a part of building you up and strengthening you. That's your personal prayer language of tongues. Okay, The Bible is very clear. People don't want to dive in and study this stuff. They want to just listen to all kinds of opinions and doctrinal stances without actually diving in themselves. And you can read it in verse 5 of chapter 14. Paul even says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. I wish all of you spoke in tongues. And he was, he was bragging. He was bragging about it. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He was bragging about it. So Paul, I mean, that whole chapter from chapter 12 all the way to 14, Paul is inviting us on a supernatural journey into the gifts of the Spirit, into things that will help grow and mature our life. And But even there are people out there that won't see the value of it and will kind of like, you know, you know, put themselves to the side and say, well, if God really wants to give it to me, he'll give it to me. That's not how actually Paul taught. He invited us into a journey of pursuit of this stuff, okay? And you can read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Eagerly desire them, especially that you may prophesy. Anyways, I'm getting off track here. So that's one kind of tongues. Second kind of tongues is where somebody gets up in a, in a, in a public setting in a church setting and gives a message in an unknown supernatural language. But that kind of tongue is supposed to be interpreted. So there's the gift of interpretation of tongues and then there's tongues. Someone gets up, gives an inter uh, uh, a message in tongues. <laughs> well, it's useless and only an interruption if nobody gives an interpretation of it. And so Paul says, sit down, shut up. If you're not gonna get interpretation, don't interrupt the meeting if there's gonna be no interpretation. So that's different from the prayer use of tongues, okay? Then there's this other, uh, 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 you know, noted historical documented moment of tongues where people actually spoke in the language of the people that they never spoke normally. So we have, like I said, three different types that we see in scripture. Now, in this moment, 120 people, they're gathered shaking, winds coming in, the Holy Spirit's rushing, and the power of God literally is baptizing people. Why? To be a witness. What was the manifestation? They spoke, okay, they spoke in the language of all the people that heard the noise in the surrounding area. Okay, there was 3,000 3, plus, so 3,000 minimum, but there would have been way more. So let's say five, let's say seven, 8,000 people. We don't know exactly, okay? but they heard this sound and they rushed and came around the area where these 120 disciples were gathered. And they were wondering what was going on. They actually thought they were drunk. It was nine o'clock in the morning. They thought they were hammered drunk out of their mind because of the sound of what was going on. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, you guys, it was chaos. It was what we call holy chaotic order, holy chaotic order. Because sometimes what feels disorderly to us actually is God's order. And sometimes what feels like order for us is disorder to God. And so in this moment, it's chaotic, it's chaos, it's disorder as far as we know it. And they thought, oh, they must be hammered drunk. People are probably falling all over the place. They're speaking in these languages that they had not learned. And so it would be the equivalent. Like if I didn't speak Mandarin and somebody is listening to me, that knows I don't speak Mandarin, speaks fluent Mandarin, they don't speak English, they know I'm English, uh, that I don't speak Mandarin, it would be the equivalent of the Holy Spirit coming on me 
and me speaking the gospel message of Jesus dying and resurrecting to give us hope in a future in perfect Mandarin. Okay, if I was speaking in perfect Mandarin, you would not think I was drunk. People did not think that they were drunk because they were speaking in the languages that everyone knew they didn't speak. They thought they were drunk because it was chaos. Um, I almost guarantee you people were falling all over the place. The power of God hit them. They were shaken by it. They were probably vibrating on the floor. I mean, we don't know exactly what the manifestation exactly looked like, but it was holy chaos. Let me continue. They were all filled and equipped, verse 4, with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, verse 7, they said to one another, Aren't these all Galileans? Because they're like, man, aren't these these guys don't speak our language? Like, what is going on? Did they just go to like supernatural school of language? Like, what is going on? Aren't these guys, aren't these people all Galileans? Verse 8. So, how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? We are Northeastern Iranians, Northwestern Iranians, Elamites. And those from Mesopotamia, Judea, East Central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans, who are neighbors of singing about the gospel for every tongue and every nation. In a time where there's so much divide, today we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which really was all about unifying every tribe every nation, every language. The gospel has been given to all mankind. The gospel breaks the dividing lines. The gospel bridges the gap between culture. The one thing that levels the playing field is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was all-inclusive, no separation. He died. He died to introduce a message that would unify humanity, not destroy humanity. Yes, Jesus said the words that I have come to bring a sword and to divide. And yes, there is a divide in the sense of you have to choose him or not him. It's yes or no. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is that when the gospel transforms a life, it begins to bridge the gap and bring unity if we have a right revelation of who he is, that in heaven, every tribe and every nation will be represented. Every tribe, every nation will be represented. The gospel really is a picture. The rainbow, okay, let me just tell you, the rainbow represents the promises of God. The rainbow represents, that's why there's a rainbow around the throne. You know why? Number one, it's the covenant of God that in heaven, there's a rainbow over the throne on a sea of glass-like crystal. The rainbow represents the fullness of the unity, humanity, all-inclusive in God's heart. He wants to bring everybody in, okay? So the gospel, it, it, it levels the playing field. Now, let me just continue reading here. 
Yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. Verse 12. They all stood there, dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, What is this phenomenon? But others poked fun at them and said, They're just drunk on wine. They're just drunk. Here's the thing. When you have an encounter with God, not everyone's going to understand you. When, you have a, when you're really baptized in the Holy Spirit, not everyone's going to understand you. They might poke fun at you. Oh, he's just making it up. Man, when you're set on fire, you, you create, you will create enemies. You will create enemies. Now, I know that sounds contradictory to almost what I just said. It's not that because we know Jesus that it's going to be easy. It's not that because we know Jesus, unity is just going to happen. No, but the goal is unity. The goal is restoration. The goal is reconciliation. The goal is redemption. But at the same time, when you make a stand and you stand for one thing, you always alienate something else, another thing. That's just a reality. You always alienate something else when you stand for something. And when you stand for God in relationship with God, it's not going to always be easy, which is why you need the power of God to be a witness. The only thing that's going to allow you and give you what you need to lay down your life for a cause is a baptism of his power. We're talking about reviving the fire today in our lives, the day where it all changed. And this is the day where it all changed. Acts 2 is the day where it all changed. I was telling my kids last night about what we're celebrating today, Pentecost Sunday. It was the day where it all changed. Why did it all change? Because it was the birth center. It was the birthing canal of the church. Literally, it was the birth canal of the church. This is like, this was the moment where the church came out of the birth canal. Literally was born that day. Let me continue reading and you'll find out why. Okay, in verse 13, people poked fun. They're just drunk on new wine. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel, for God says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody. Once again, it's everybody, okay? It's not one race. It's not one race. This gospel message, the whole point of the gospel was to remove these divides. The whole point, which is of Jesus do stupid stuff. I'm not talking about bad theology. When you have a right perspective of who God is, it breaks down these dividing lines. This spirit is to be poured out on all flesh, everybody, and cause, verse 17, your sons and daughters to prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will experience dreams from God. Verse 18, the Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above, kind of sounds like the fireball moment, and mighty miracles on the earth below, blood and fire, pillars of clouds will appear. For the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone, verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone and anyone that opens up their heart will have a transformed life. Let me just skip a few verses. I'm almost done reading here. Verse 37, chapter 2. When they heard this, so talking now, Peter begins to share 
the journey of what Jesus had gone through, the message of the gospel. And after they heard Peter share, after this was all happening, Peter was bringing simply context to what was going on and what had been promised. When they heard this, they were crushed, the people, okay, and realized that what they had done or what they had done to Jesus, crucifying him, rejecting him, they were deeply moved, it says. They said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? Peter replied, repent and return to God. That word repent simply means change your perspective. Change your focus. Change what's important to you. Repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to, for, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is secondary. The gift of the Holy Spirit. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families and for those yet to be born. And for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, Peter preached to them and warned them with these words, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. This was the birthplace. This is where everything changed. This is where it all began. In this moment, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days. No coincidence that it's the Feast of Harvest, the greatest one, the first harvest that ever came into the church, which birthed the church, became the launching pad for the church, happened as a result of a supernatural act of God's Spirit being poured out on all flesh to fulfill the prophecy of Joel, that all flesh, all flesh, we're talking about today, revive the fire, the day where it all changed. I kind of said that over and over again. I feel like we're also kind of talking about, I could have called this, revive the power. I mean, you can't really revive the power, but you can revive the awareness of God's power within you. I'm praying today that people would be touched in their bodies. I'm praying today that you would be baptized in the spirit with his power in a real way. If you feel like you've been using the screwdriver of life and it's, it's kind of working, it's been hard. It's been like you've been working at it. You're praying, you feel like you're hitting a wall. You're praying, things aren't working out the way that you think they should work out. I'm praying today you have a baptismal experience, a baptized experience in the power of God today. That God's dynamite, miraculous, explosive power comes literally <clears throat> in your living room, wherever you're watching from, and literally changes the game for you. Maybe you're going to watch this after the fact. Whatever the case may be, you're going to hear it while you're driving in the car. I'm praying that God literally would baptize you for real. And change the game. You guys, listen, the only thing that's going to change things is the power of God. You can do all you want, and you can do all the things, and you can do all the legal things, and that's good. You need to do it. Be strategic. Reform where there needs to be reform. But in the end of the day, at the end of the day, without the power of God in our life, we will always be missing something. It will never be as good as it could be or as good as it should be. It will never be God's best. It will only just be good. And God wants to give us his best. God wants to reform and change culture. Listen, what changed culture in the book of Acts, which describes the acts of God, is not just good preaching, just good teaching. It's not just having good connect groups, good fellowship. They had all of that. It's not that they just prayed all the time and had, you know, awesome communion moments together. They had the power of God. Miracles were happening among them. 
There were things that were happening that were bringing them into awe. There were signs and wonders causing them to wonder. There was awe, miracles, healing, all kinds of crazy, transforming things were happening, which made their fellowship, made their connect groups, made their teaching time, and made their prayer time that much more powerful. And that's why there was a move of God. It went from 3,000 to 5,000, 10,000. And then the, the, everything as we know it today, we gather as a church today because of what happened, recorded in the book of Acts. The book after John, in case you're wondering. You should read it. And uh, you know, this is what we're talking about. So we're praying. I'm praying today that God would baptize you. And you, maybe you're like, you're freaking out, but it's like weird to you. Listen, God, <laughs> when God shows up, weird things do happen. But weird things don't have to happen for God if God is present all the time. They don't have to happen, but they tend to happen. Because when you put your hand in a light socket, you can't put your hand in a light socket with like the baptism of the Holy Ghost you don't, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't believe that you know signs have to follow. Let me just tell you, I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Hebrew writer said it. I believe it. I've lived it. I've experienced it. It's real deal stuff. We see it in the book of Acts that there was one baptism in water and there was a whole other baptism that happens in the Holy Spirit. There were people that were baptized under John. This is after Jesus had died and resurrected. They'd been living kind of a, just a good life in Jesus. And then the disciples came around, these guys that had been baptized into John and said, listen, there's another baptism where the Holy Spirit will come on you, change the game. And we can read it. Let me just jump there, actually. It says in Acts chapter 19. I'll read it for you. Chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. They were already believers. So they had the Holy Spirit within them, but they had not been baptized by the Holy Spirit. It would be the equivalent of they were the cucumber, but they weren't yet the dill pickle. Dill pickles or cucumbers just transformed. You can be the cucumber and have, you know, the Holy Spirit within you. You know, you know God, you're connected to God. But when you baptize the cucumber in the vinegar, in the garlic, in the dill, it changes everything. It comes out different. The witness is different. It smells different. When you smell a cucumber and you smell a dill pickle, they smell totally different. Why? Because there's been a transformation. There's been a baptism. The cucumber was baptized in the spices, and it changed the whole texture, changes the color, and changes the smell. This is what we're talking about. It says here, verse 2, Paul says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them, No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, The baptism of John. Paul said in verse 4, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, baptizing them. You know what happened? They spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, this kind of tongues wasn't the kind of tongues that we saw in Acts chapter 2. They didn't speak in some other language. They spoke in a mysterious, supernatural language. And that might have been, for them, a personal prayer language. It might have been interpreted, but probably not. 
That was a gift of tongues that was given to them for the purpose of their own spirit. Paul was very well acquainted with this gift. That's why he bragged about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. He said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. That's what he said. I speak in tongues more than all of you. I wish that you spoke in tongues. But since you're ignorant, since you probably have hang-ups about it, since you'll get, you're going to get your religious panties all in a knot about it, and you're going to argue, and it's not going to make sense to your mind, just forget it. Desire the greater stuff. Desire to give it to us, he'll give it to us. We miss so much of God in our life because of that bad belief system. I call that bad BS. Bad belief systems. God wants to take the BS from your life and change your mindset. Change those bad belief systems because it stinks. It really does. Paul invited us into an opportunity. Invited us into an opportunity to develop ourselves, to, 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 to get past this our mind has to figure out. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, that when you pray in the spirit, when you pray in a tongue, the mind is unfruitful. The mind is disconnected. The mind is disengaged. Your mind cannot figure out everything in God. Actually, really anything in God. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. You can study the Scripture all you want and develop your intellect. Not to say that that's bad, but if you don't let it transform your soul and spirit, it's useless in the end. And so Paul says here, okay, you, you were baptized into John's baptism, but there's another baptism that Jesus actually talked about in Matthew 3 that I'm going to baptize you with. And he laid hands on them, prayed for them. The power of God hit them. The dynamite, explosive, dunamis power of God hit them. And they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Why is it important that we understand that they spoke in tongues and prophesied? Because there's evidence that follows the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But let me just tell you, the number one evidence is to be my witness. To have boldness, to be his witness. The, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not to speak in tongues. It was not to be to prophesy. It was to be a witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But as a result of your witness, there will be things that will be evidenced in your life that will build up your life and leverage your life and be like the power tools of the kingdom for your life so that you could do more damage to the devil's kingdom in this life. Matthew 3, verse 11, John said, John the Baptist said, who baptized Jesus, his relative, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Speaking of Jesus, his relative, his cousin, so much greater than I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will, be ba he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You guys, I remember the day where it all changed for me. I gave my life to Jesus at 18 years old. That was the fall. It was the fall of uh, when I was 18 years old. I turned 19 soon after that. And for the next several months, about two and a half months, I had been like pursuing the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to know you, Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in your spirit. Yes, I had an encounter in my car at 18 on the highway. Changed the game for me but I knew there was more. I knew there was something that I was still missing. I had the Holy Spirit within me. In fact, I remember actually when I first had this encounter with God, reading in John where Jesus talks about, you know, when I go, I'm going to send a helper. You can read it. It's John actually, John 14, verse 26. And I remember 
reading that scripture and being like, man, this is so cool. Another guy is coming. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. I didn't know I already had the Holy Spirit. I just got excited for a moment until I realized that I had the Holy Spirit. But then as I begin to read the book of Acts, as I begin to read the work of the Holy Spirit, as I begin to read these stories of transformation and books and, and hear stories of transformation, I, I knew I was missing something. And so I begin to pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized. I want to be that, I'm that cucumber right now, but I want to go in that vinegar. I want to go in that garlic, that spiritual dill. And I want to come out as a pickle. I want to be pickled in the Holy Ghost, as some would call it. I want to marinate. I want to go in and come out totally different, come out totally transformed. And I remember pursuing, pursuing, asking questions, pursuing, talking to people, saying, how does this work? How does it happen? Can you pray for me? And I remember there was moments, there was moments where I felt like things were beginning to change. And I began to, I read this book on the Holy Spirit read, written by this conservative Baptist uh, theologian. And it was a great book. And, and I knew there was more. And, but, you know, the opening statement of that book was like knocking all these other charismatic movements and the renewal and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, things I hadn't even heard about at this point yet. And I just was super hungry to know both sides of the coin and study both sides and here. And then I read a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And that began to change the game for me. I mean, it opened up my life to the reality of, of, of value and real, not that I'm not real normally, but it's more, a little more raw and unfiltered, so to speak. John, or 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, in the conclusion of Paul's letter, his second letter to the Corinthian church, he says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we know Jesus Christ, you know, is the person of grace. And the love of God, John 3, 16, for the God so loved the world that he gave his son, who is grace, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He, he, he ends and concludes his letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, by saying, I want the communion of the Holy Ghost to be with you all. I mean, the Bible says in Philippians 3, I believe it's verse 3, that we can't even say or we worship by the Spirit. We can't worship God except by the Spirit. We can't even say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. The, the role of the Holy Spirit is so important to our lives. He is the fire of God in our lives. I kind of liken the triune God to like the Son. The Son is one, kind of like God. He's one, but made up of three parts. Then there's the light, which is Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light in the darkness. Then we have the Holy Spirit. He's the heat. He's the, he's, we, we, we feel him. He is the one who communes with us and us with him. He is the fire of God in our lives. But Paul said, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If you actually, that, that word is koinonia in, in the Greek, koinonia in the Greek, and it's an intimate connection, an intimate relationship. If you break down the word, even in, a, in, a, in an Oxford dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, that word for communion, another word for communion is social intercourse. It's intimate conversation. This is the kind of communion that we are to have with God. Intimate connection. Intimate conversation. Intimate connection and awareness of who He is. Romans 8 verse 16 says that, you know, we, 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 can't, we, uh, we don't even know who we are as sons unless we have the Spirit. It's His Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Without having a connection with Holy Spirit, we don't know who we are. It says in Romans 8 verse 14 that those who are led by the Spirit 
are the sons of God. Galatians says to keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is to guide us into all truth. He is the one called alongside to help. When it says in John chapter 14, verse 26, that he is our helper, that word for helper literally means advocate, like our lawyer. It was actually used as a legal term often throughout the New Testament. He is our advocate. He is our defense. He is our lawyer. He brings up the evidence that stands up in the court of spiritual law. He literally is the one who reveals to us the person of Jesus. Jesus said about the helper, about Holy Spirit, that he would remind us of everything that Jesus said. He was speaking to his disciples. All the things that I've taught you over the last three years, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to remind you. Not only do you need a baptism experience in the Holy Spirit's power and his love and his grace over your life, but you need to have a relationship, get to know him. Jesus, there's an element of Jesus that we will, I mean, we'll never know Jesus except by the Spirit. That's the reality. The Holy Spirit reveals to us who Jesus is. The Bible says that he guides us into all truth. Who is truth? What is truth? Jesus is truth. He's perfect theology. Now, let me just backtrack. So back to my story. Sorry for that rabbit trail, but I just wanted to bring a little more context. Back to my story. I'm like praying. I'm pursuing. I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm pursuing, um, you know, this time I'm pursuing the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share this and then we're going to pray. And I remember having a conversation at Tim Hortons. Yes, I went to Tim Hortons all the time back in the day. And uh, I, I was having a conversation with a guy about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What do I do? What do I do? I was pursuing it. One of my mentors that week had said, I feel like it's going to happen to you soon, Sean. It's going to happen to you. I, this week, she said to me, and I got super excited about it. But I'm like, what do I do? Like, does someone have to pray for me? I didn't understand it. And I had this conversation with this guy. It was kind of discouraging. I'm like, because he didn't really give me any answers. And I left Tim Horton's coffee shop. I drove back to my house. And I was driving up. I remember where I was. About to turn on to Larkin Drive, which is right near where I grew up. And I was driving, just about to turn on that street, and I was in my night understand, kind of felt weird, and out of my mouth, I just began to say these two words over and over again, and it was like my car literally, you guys, filled with like the most weight, it was like the, I can't even describe it to you, it was like the presence of God just literally permeated, permeated my car, and I began to speak in this language that I had never known before. And I felt like I was literally levitating. Like, it was the craziest experience. It lasted for two and a half hours. I drove home. I was literally like, I was a mess. I was like, it, it was like I was, I felt like hammered drunk by the Spirit. And yet, yes, you can drive under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's different. And so I'm like driving up my street. I literally, I remember I got out of my car. I, I literally knelt down and lay, uh, lay down for a moment on the paveway, on my asphalt driveway. And just began, and it was like the most amazing experience. It changed the game. Went into my bedroom, prayed for two and a half hours. Just these two words. Kind of like, it's almost like a, a, a language a baby learns. The first two words they often learn is mommy and daddy or mama dada. You know, and they say it over and over again. They haven't developed language yet. That's what I felt like I was a baby. And as I begin to speak these words by faith, it's everything, everything in the kingdom is by faith, you guys. It was like the language began to develop and God literally changed the game. Now, I'm not saying theologically that the only evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. We see prophecy. We see be the witness. 
you know, boldness, joy, all these things are evidenced. But I'm also saying that Paul invites us into it all. It's a free-for-all. It's a buffet. You have access to it all. Why not taste all the food? Don't just go to the one thing that you like or you're used to or you're comfortable with. Try all the food. Some of the food might be more exotic and more cult, not your culture. Try it. You never know how it's going to change the game. And so this was what that was for me. God began to change the game for me, and I began to develop this language. And, man, it's, it's, it's changed my prayer life. It's changed everything. And so I want to pray today that, that God's fire and his power comes on your life, not only to heal your body, to set you free of whatever you're going through, but to give you the power tools that you need in this season to do what you're called to do so that you wouldn't miss it. Some of you, you've been working so hard in your own effort using the screwdrivers of the kingdom, the hammer. You're doing all the stuff the old way. You could have the nail gun. You could have the drill. You could have the power saw. Or you could do everything by hand and miss out on the best that God has for you. What I want you to do, wherever you're standing, wherever you're sitting, if you would just close your eyes right now. If you just close your eyes. I believe that God is going to literally overwhelm you right now. He's going to baptize you in the spirit. He's going to baptize you. You might feel like right now you're that cucumber. You know, you're, you, you got it. You know God, but you're missing something. God's always called you to be that dill pickle. He's always called you for that transformation. And I want to pray that today things would change. That God would revive the fire in you. Revive and, and, and put on you the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want to pray for you. So close your eyes. Just, and if you would, just open up your hands, even through the cameras, you guys. I know it's weird maybe doing it this way. You know, I love to be in moments like this with people laying hands on people, praying for people. You know, as we see even in the scripture, you know, obviously laying hands in this season is, has a whole different meaning than it did in the last season now with everything that's going on. But I just believe that the Lord Jesus himself is laying his hand on you right now, wherever you are. And I pray right now, Holy Ghost, for a baptism of your power, a baptism of the Spirit over everyone that's listening right now. Right now, in Jesus' name, over your, in your living room, maybe over families, over young kids that will be, are, are watching this right now, over young children that are watching this right now. I just pray for a baptism. I want you to close your eyes. Just let the Holy Spirit's power come on you. I just see God doing it, almost like some of you feel like heat come over your body right now. Some of you are feeling like electricity in your body right now. Some of you are feeling maybe your body's beginning to vibrate a little bit. Some of you feel just a peace come over your body, a peace wash over your body. Some of you feel like a little bit of a tingling over your body right now. But I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're present and that you're here. <clears throat> and I pray for everyone listening right now that you'd overwhelm them. Overwhelm them. Overwhelm them with your presence in a powerful way, God. Let them feel what it feels to be under your influence in Jesus' name right now. Right now. I know some of you are feeling a little bit different. You're feeling a little bit like, like the Holy Spirit's moving on your body right now. Some of you are just feeling peace, and that's okay. Some of you, your mind is wrestling to be open to receive. Some of your, your, your mind's trying to figure it out and logically explain it. Let me just tell you, in God, you cannot logically explain God. That's why the Bible says He gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding. We're not going to be able to figure it all out, you guys. But to let him in is to open up your spirit, open up your heart right now. In Jesus' name. Now, some of you right now, you, you may have the evidence 
I remember one time we were in a moment and uh, uh, the Holy Spirit baptized this one individual in a meeting I was in and he began to prophesy for three hours, three and a half hours straight, he began to prophesy. He had never prophesied in his life, never had that encounter, literally prophesied for like three and a half, it was crazy. He had a baptism in the Spirit and the Spirit experience. That may happen to you right now. You may receive tongues. Maybe you've been asking for the gift of tongues, personal prayer language. I didn't, I didn't even really teach on it, but literally it's simple, you guys. If you ask for it, God says that he will give it to you. He's a good father. If you ask, he will give it. Sometimes it's like hearing the voice of God. You close your eyes. You may feel this word bubble up in your spirit. You may see a word in your mind. Listen, your mind will tell you. It makes no sense. But that's how it is with God. When God speaks to us, it never really makes sense to our mind, but we step out and we move with it. That's what happened to me. I got two words came into my mind. And I began to repeat them over and over again. And it was like, boom, something just hit me. And the power of God hit me. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit as I stepped into and positioned my heart and leaned into it. So I'm praying right now, God, for the evidence, God, the evidence of the baptism on Pentecost Sunday, the evidence, God, baptism experience, God, with your power and with your spirit in Jesus' name name right now. God, I pray for all those that need healing right now. I pray for all those that need healing in their body, God, that you'd restore their body. I pray that, God, you'd touch bodies, muscles, shoulders, ligaments, God, bones right now in Jesus' name, growths right now that you'd remove growths from the body in Jesus' name. Someone's left eye Someone, someone needs healing in the left eye specifically right now. I just pray right now you touch the left eye. I just see like a, a, a left eye, almost like a cloudiness on the left eye. God lifting and removing the cloudiness right now in Jesus' name over the left eye. Right now, right now, right now. Someone has a skin condition around the ear. There's a skin condition around the ear. I pray for healing right now around the ear. The skin condition around the ear in Jesus' name. Right now, I pray for senses, people that have lost their senses, taste, smell. Maybe there's paralysis, touch. I just see God restoring senses right now. If you've lost any sense, maybe smell, taste, touch, you're losing your sight, your hearing, any, any of the five senses. I feel like God said, I'm touching the senses right now. I'm touching the senses right now. Holy Spirit, move on the senses right now. Heal and restore them in Jesus' name. Thank you for good reports, God. I pray there's somebody that's watching and uh, you've just, you felt like you've been up against this massive wall in the last two weeks. There's a wall you've just not been able to break through. I don't know what that wall is, but it's a dark wall. It's been a hard go the last two weeks specifically. I saw it the last two weeks. It's been this, I saw this black brick wall and it's like, you just feel like it's darkness. It's hard. You can't move through I just saw a crack in the wall, and I feel like God is breaking the wall that's been holding you back. There's a deliverance coming to your life. There's a deliverance. There's a delivering that's happening over your life in Jesus' name right now. And there's something to do with your mother. You're watching something to do with your mother, too. God is restoring. God is restoring the, the, the there's like a redemption. There's a redemption that's going to happen when it comes to your mother there's a redemption that's going to happen when it comes to your mother and even a brother in Jesus' name. A redemption that's going to happen with a mother and even a brother. Some sort of reconciliation. The brother is going through something right now. Something God's touching. There's something that, that God is rearranging right now. 
something that God is rearranging right now in the brother, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And even, I, I don't know, there's somebody watching, and uh, the first letter of your first name is L. I don't know, I don't know what the name is. I, saw, I just saw it L. I feel like the first letter of your first name is L, and there's a new career path that you're about to embark on. You've been wondering, wondering about this. You've been wondering. You've been kind of back and forth with it. But God is opening up this path. I saw the path clearing where it was like cluttered. God is clearing it away in this next season. And you're going to begin to see what, what God has for you in your future as, as you take a step of faith on this new career path in Jesus' name. Right now, right now, someone watching, uh, I don't know if it's a Sam or a Samantha. It, you may be from our church, Sam or a Samantha, Sam or a Samantha. And I just saw this season is a season of stability. I saw like, I saw like stability beginning to happen, stability beginning to happen. I saw like your feet being planted. And it's like something about this season of planting yourself in this season that's going to bring a stability where it's been easy to kind of be over here, be over here, be a little bit over here. But I saw God saying, listen, this is a season where you're planting yourself. It's a season of stability. It's a season, once you find stability, you're going to find rapid growth. You're going to find a rapid acceleration of growth in Jesus' name. And I don't know, there's something about a brother as well. There's something about a brother. I don't know, it's Sam or Samantha. Um, I, I, something about a brother as well that God is touching in this season. There's a, there's a brother that God is touching. There's a new thing happening in the brother. It's a new thing happening in the brother in this season in Jesus' name. And I, I just believe there's so many of you watching right now or will watch this later on. Maybe you're on a journey. You don't know who Jesus is. You're like, how do I give my life to Jesus? I want to almost be like Peter for you right now, you know, when the, as the Holy Spirit is moving on your life and just share with you that, you know, Jesus died to give you and resurrected to give you a new life. He's already paid the price. He's already forgiven you. Maybe you feel like you just, you don't add up. You've, you've missed the mark. You know, sin is just, just another word to describe missing the mark. Maybe you feel like you've missed the mark. You've missed the standard. You know there's more for you in life. And maybe you're searching for God. You don't know how this whole thing works. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved and that all things will be made new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that you will be a new creation. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. All you have to do is open up your heart, accept the invitation, accept the personal invite into the kingdom. He's already sent you the invitation. All you have to do is say yes. And if that's you watching right now and you want to say yes, you want to come into a relationship with Jesus, it's like I said, it's really simple. Just open up your heart. Jesus did not come to give and establish a religion of rules and regulation. He came to establish and give and introduce to humanity what relationship with Almighty God, the creator of the universe, looks like. He wants to give you a relationship, have a relationship with you. He's been waiting for you, pursuing you. Maybe you watching this right now was just a part of that pursuing process that you landed here on this day. Maybe it's a little bit over your head. Maybe it's a little bit weird for you. You're like talking about you know, the power of God and, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders, but there's something that drew you here today. And I just believe that it was God's divine plan over your life. And I want to invite you just to say yes and invite him in to your life. All you have to do is say yes. Say, Jesus, I want you into my life. I want you to come into my life. 
I want to make you first. I want to make you priority. I want all that you have for me in my life. I want to make a commitment today to have a relationship with you in Jesus' name. If you said that and you meant it, I want you to email us at prayer at kingdomculture.ca. We'd love to pray with you and help you along your journey. But for the rest of us, I want to pray one last thing over all of us. If all of us that are watching right now, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're standing, just open up your hands one last time just as an act of receiving. I want to pray that God would revive in you the fire or maybe the first time give his fire to you, that you would experience his fire, experience his passion, that everything in this season would change as a result of the pursuit that his fire energizes and motivates and moves you into in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. That on Pentecost Sunday, over 2,000 years ago, your fire fell, your power fell, and the game changed. Everything as we know it changed. This is where everything changed on this moment over 2,000 years ago. God, fast forward, we're in this global pandemic, and we're in this moment coming at the world through the cameras via the internet. And I just pray that there would be a revelation even more than ever in this moment right, right now that you would just reveal yourself and you'd revive them right now and you'd revive their spirit, their soul in a way that would radically change the game just as it did in Acts chapter two. I pray that your power would come and baptize us, God, in Jesus' name. Fill us again, fill us, overwhelm us with your power in Jesus' power, in Jesus' power, in Jesus' power, in Jesus' power. In Jesus power.